welcome to another episode of the Blitz Package. I got Chris Taylor with me here tonight, and we were going to have Britt on, but he had something he had to do, so it's just me and Chris today. So how's it going, Chris? It's going good, man. It's going good. Happy early Thanksgiving. Yes, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I hope you guys are uh, enjoying the holidays. Don't start Black Friday shopping too early. Enjoy the time with your family. But the Chiefs got a little bit of a Thanksgiving present, I guess, Ooh. depending on how you feel about Darrell Revis signing with yeah. the Kansas City Chiefs today. Um, I, I, I don't know. I When I first heard, I was definitely, you know, excited. I'm... I think anyone should be excited just because, you know, they're they're doing something to try and fix the problem. And so even if you think that Darrell Revis is going to come in here and be a bum, at least they're trying. You know, and I, I don't think he can be worse than Philip Gaines. Um, I know he was uh, a little out of shape, I guess you could say, with the Jets when he went back. Um, in fact, they're still paying him, I think, $6 million this year. So I think that's why he's in halfway through the season. I think he's willing to take a small pay. I'm sure it's some incentive base. But what, what's your overall thought about Darrell Revis coming to the Chiefs? Travis, I'm over here bobbing and weaving, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm super excited. I tell you, um, I think... What excites me more about this move is not the fact that Jarrell Revis is going to be on the other side of Marcus Peters, uh, which sounds great. Um, right. But uh, I think uh, I think I'm more excited about the chances of Philip Gaines being on the field are slim to none now. Uh, I, and and I'm sorry, Philip, but I mean that's just let's be honest. You know, you, you're getting paid to play football. It's time to play football, and if you're not, we're going to go. We're going to go get somebody like Revis. Hey, an old Revis. And he's a 10-year veteran. It's not like he's a 15-year veteran. He's a 10-year veteran. 10 years is, is, I know, a long time in the NFL. But he can still play. I found myself the other day after the uh, Giants game, after another Gaines debacle, I found myself thinking, man, what's Dale Carter doing right now? You know, is, <laughs> is, is, is Ty Law still in shape? I mean, is there right. anybody, Patrick Sertan, okay, is there anybody that we can go get that, you know, just can go out there and and do something? <laughs> or in Philip Gaines' case, not not get a penalty called on him and still allow the receiver to do something, which he has his uncanny knack of, of allowing to happen. So I, I, I honestly, I found myself thinking, man, what's Dale Carter doing? What are these guys doing, you know, as uh, – it, it, you know, James Hasty out there somewhere. Let's let's uh, let let's make some phone calls. So when I seen that Darrell Revis was signed by the Kansas City Chiefs this far into the season, you hit on it. First off, we're actually doing something, man. We've got a problem. Now I think they've noticed this problem about eight weeks too late, but at least they're addressing it. And, and in my opinion, an old Revis is much better than any Philip Gaines that you can put over there. Uh, I think this improves the defense dramatically. I think no matter how much we want to look at Revis's last couple years, few years, and look at the decline in his play, he's not that, he's not that pro bowler. He's not that all-star. He's not that, 
He's not where Marcus Peters is right now. Um, he's not Hall of Fame caliber these last few years, but he is absolutely, in my opinion, the answer to get us from the 29th worst pass defense to the 25th. And I think that that is enough to turn the tide in some of these games that we've lost here in the last five weeks. Yeah, I think uh, I heard a rumor that they've been trying to sign him most of the year and he wouldn't take the deal. Um, He didn't want to take such a small pay for it. But since we're already halfway through the season, it's not as bad, I guess. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that it's something that needed to be done. I definitely did not see it coming. Uh, it, you know, when we were recording uh, Tuesday's episode on Monday night, you know, I was sitting there looking up at my Chiefs helmet that's sitting on my desk like, I could play better than Philip Gaines. <laughs> like, I mean, it, it is bad. And, you know, I, I really want to understand the the reasoning you know i get that terrence mitchell has had you know some some hard games or whatever but you know i have stressed that any corner that's getting targeted 15 times against number one receivers in one game every game is gonna get beat especially when you play that that physical mentality that he has but at the same time We've also seen Bob Sutton playing him way off the line of scrimmage those last few games. And I think that the only way to play Terrence Mitchell is up on the line where he can get a hand on the guy. That's that's how he plays. He's not a guy that, you know, can be 10 yards off the line and succeed. Um, but, you know, I, I, I get that he's had a little bit of a rough season, but I will take him over Acker or Gaines any day of the week. That Absolutely. the fact that they put gains back in, I want to know what else is going on. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, and he knows Bob Sutton. You know, mm-hmm. he knows that he knows that defense. He knows that scheme. I I I would imagine. I see no other reason f- for anything other than him starting on the other side of Peters on Sunday. Um, he should be able to come in and and, uh, you know, he doesn't need to learn a playbook. He needs to go out there. All Sutton needs to tell him is be better than Gaines. Right. And and listen, there's I know there's going to be naysayers on this on this move that the Chiefs made. It's not going to help. It's too late. Blah 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 blah. If you've listened to anything that we've said the last couple of weeks, we've kind of feel the same way. But this is, I think this is big time. I think this is big time, and I think it's something that could really, really, really change. If not change the stats that you see on game day, it will change the atmosphere within the Chiefs organization. This is something that I don't think we would have seen last year or the year before. Um, You know, as writers, we always are pressed with those issues to write about, you know, of who's still out there, who's available, who could help, you know, who's somebody that the chiefs could go get. Those articles are rampant on the internet. Um, and this is probably the best case scenario for the chiefs at the moment. And I think they, I think they, they nailed it. Yeah. I, I know we talked about not believing that this team is super bowl caliber and, 
you know, when I went back and was thinking more about our conversation, you know, it, it wasn't just that the offense wasn't getting it done enough. Uh, you know, the defense, like even now, if the Chiefs were playing offensively like they were in week one, okay. But if, if they're not, if they're only playing like 80% of that, the defense has not been playing good enough to win you a Super Bowl even if the offense is 80% of what it was. So, right. um, I mean, yeah, like if you can get 80% of what Darrell Revis was, I think it's a huge upgrade. I think that you can have some more man-on-man and be able to do some more blitzing and stuff like that. But do I... I don't think that this is the move to make you a Super Bowl contender, but at the same time, could it be the move that gets a spark on the defense? Is it something that can get them excited and want get them motivated? Because that's that's something I haven't seen in the last few games. Is it looks like nobody is motivated? I agree. So I agree. It it, it could be a thing that it could be that spark on defense. Um, I think it. I think so. I think it will be. And and he's going to get the respect, Travis. Right. Um, even though he, he isn't the, the caliber of player that he has been in, in the past, he's going to get the he's going to get respect from the opposing quarterbacks. And that's a big deal, because if the guy on the left, if you, if that quarterback respects him and we all know he respects the guy on the right, that limits that limits his eye movement, that li- limits everything that he does. All right, I've got this guy over there. When Philip Gaines is over there, and even and I hate to say it because I, I agree with you, I'm I'm way more comfortable with Terrence Mitchell being out there than I am Philip Gaines. Uh, those guys are getting whipped on the school. Like the quarterback is a big bully, and and they're whipping those guys right on the right in the schoolyard. I mean, they're picking on them. They're, you know, wide receivers are salivating over there. They're like, yeah. Hi, Philip. You know, well, this is going to be great. You know, right? I mean, there are people that are playing fantasy football right now that are adjusting their lineups according to the chief secondary. <laughs> right. I, I, I know that's how I play. Now that doesn't help me. I think I'm last in our division, but it's it's there's respect over there. There's it's. I think it has a chance. It does not make us a Super Bowl contender all of a sudden overnight, but it does give the opportunity for the chiefs. They're going to look different. I think that defense is going to look different. I think even at home watching on TV, the chiefs defense will look different. I'm not saying it's going to be 10 times better. Um, I'm not saying that it's going to be a blowout and Buffalo is not going to be able to do anything, but it's going to look different and different is exactly what I think most of us have been screaming for. Yeah. I think, I think um, I could, I could see him coming in first game, you know, starting out over there. Um, I want, I'm, I'm assuming if Nelson is good, fully good to go, uh, you know, he'll be the right cornerback on, um, you know, regular, packages three four packages but when they go into the nickel or dime or whatever i can see him being in there but i don't i don't necessarily see him being in there for every defensive snap i think they'll 
kind of ease him in like they did Nelson coming back from injury. Um, but I, I do think he will be tested. I think that they, that, uh, Tyra Taylor is definitely good to put the ball over there to see, you know, what Revis does have. Cause we haven't seen him in a while. And when we did last see him, he wasn't playing up to his standard. So being out of the league all year, not playing great, uh, when he was with the Jets the last year, I could see them targeting him quite a bit. Um, but you know, it's like it's like we said. I will take that over Philip Gaines all day long. Absolutely. But um, do you? Let's see. I like it. Okay, if if he can be even seventy five percent. Of what he was. I think he's a huge upgrade. Do you think that Bob Sutton changes his scheme just a little bit to to fit him in there? Will he keep playing him like he's been playing his corners 10 yards off? Or do you think he's going to play him up at the line? Hmm. Either way, it is an upgrade. I, I'm rooting for Sutton to change things up a little bit. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um so tired of what what we've seen um it's you don't have to be an avid football fan to watch these chiefs corners play so far off to realize that man that's weird (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. that's something that my mom would point out well why are they way back there shouldn't they be way up here i mean all he's got to do is turn around and catch the ball and he's already got five yards hmm Hey mom, I've taught you well, you know, uh, it, it's a, uh, I think he'll change it a little bit. I think he'll have some, I think he'll have some stuff. I think, I think it'll be new to the other 10 players on the team. I think, I, I think Revis will, I think he's going to, I think this is going to be pretty much just a color between the lines for, for Revis. I think they'll make it easy for him. Um, again, I, I don't, I don't know how complicated it could be from what we've seen, uh, but I hope so. I, ho- I hope that, that he changes some things. If he keeps everything the same, the Chiefs' defense is better with Revis than it is with Gaines and Mitchell. I believe that 100%, um, but it would be nice It would be nice to, to see, see something different. And I, I don't know. Maybe this opens up the uh, blitz packages. <laughs> I, I mean, it, that's, that's something that, Still blows my mind why we aren't even trying to get to the quarterback. It blows my mind. Yeah, I think that, uh, well, first off, nice little name drop there. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, I do like the changes that that Bob Sutton has made. He did it against Dallas, and he carried it over against the Giants by playing more two middle linebackers in that 3-4 set instead of bringing Sorensen up. I think that... The run defense has gotten a lot better in that aspect. Um, Raglan, who probably just had his best game of his career so far against the Giants, I thought he looked really well. And then I thought he looked good against the Giant, or sorry, the Dallas Cowboys as well. Uh, you know, I think they're starting to kind of push DJ out a little bit. They're giving him less and less snaps each week, getting KPL and Raglan in there more. 
can do that. We don't have a guy that can play that position like he does. And I think that Raglan and KPL are starting to really get some time together. And I think those are the two that you're going to see take over whenever DJ is gone probably next season. And so I think that if Revis is even a little bit better, I think it gives you more options, more opportunities to play that two middle linebacker to help with the run. And it lets you bring in a couple blitzes. Now, Sutton's never really been a huge blitzer unless it's like third and long. That's 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 not anything new. You know, last year we were at the bottom like five of the league, I think, in blitzing. But I I would like to see something. Uh, You know, Houston can't do it all by himself. And I know that everyone wants to complain about Houston, how he's not himself again. That's because their offenses are keying on Houston. Sure. Because there's no one on the other side. You know, back when Houston made his, uh, or tied their sack record, what was that, 2014? Mm Mm-hmm. He had Tom Bahali, who was still playing really well. And so you had to worry about both guys. With Ford, Zombo, old Tomba, you don't have anyone to worry about over there. So you're seeing a lot of chips. You're seeing a lot of play action. You're seeing a lot of double teams going at Houston. And he's quiet, but he's still doing his job. And I, I don't think that he has made this huge regression that, um, you know, that he's regressed since he got the money and he got hurt. I just think that there's no one over there. And that's where we need to bring in those extra blitzes. And maybe we can do that if Revis maybe is the answer at that second corner. I mean, it's elementary coaching. Yeah, really. I mean, if if they're being one of your defenders, you do something to pull them away from him, especially if he's the best guy on that side of the ball. Um, it, it's called an adjustment, and you have to make them throughout the game, throughout the season, and we haven't seen any adjustments whatsoever. Um, if I'm coaching the defense of the Chiefs, and they're taking, yeah, just his job, with you 100%. He's he's being forced out of place because they're focusing on him. They're game planning against him. Why? Because he's the guy you got to stop. He's the guy you have to keep away from your quarterback. He's the guy you have to to get out of those holes that the running back is running in. That is it it's nothing more than elementary football and and part of the frustrating thing is it seems so easy. <laughs> if me and you can sit here and be like, look, it's on tape. We're watching the same tape that they're watching. It, it, there it is. The play happened right in front of you. What happened there? Well, this is what happened. Why does it keep happening over and over and over? It's because there's nothing. The Giants didn't have to worry about a blitz. They didn't have to worry about anybody coming from anywhere during that game. So why not? Why not take just... Houston out of the game. And if you don't throw Marcus Peters, you've taken him out of the game. It 
it goes back to elementary football. We do it. I did it this year with the first grade team. It's we have one guy on our first grade team that is unstoppable unless they double or triple team him. He plays on the line. If he does that, we start moving kids around. We start doing different things. Now they can't make them pay for 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 doing for making that choice. And I don't see why that can't carry over to the NFL. It's common sense to me. Yeah, I think. Um... And, and I think with Justin Houston, this is one of those areas where we miss Eric Berry. You know, we, we all know that the quarterback starts with looking at the safeties pre-snap, finding out where those safeties are. And a majority of the time, Berry was on the other side of Houston. So that automatically uh, made things harder. But with Berry, especially when Sorensen started to pick up, and Barry could play that kind of robber role, you never knew where Barry was. He was always in a different spot each play. He he could come up and blitz. He could cover. He could drop back. You never knew what he was going to do. And the Chiefs don't have that anymore. Chiefs don't have a player to throw the opposing quarterbacks off. And Bob Sutton isn't scheming anything up to even try to trick the other quarterbacks. So, you know, they they know who's coming, who's not. There's no doubt in my mind. And that's something that's really frustrating. But at the same time, you know, with Justin Houston, I want to kind of compare it to, you know, you look at, in the division, Khalil Mack. He's not this big-time sack leader. He's, you know, he's not up there with all the sacks and pressures and stuff. And he doesn't, he, I mean, he has Irvin over there. Is it? Yeah, it's Irvin, right? Right. But he doesn't have a consistent real threat on the other side, but he's still getting the job done. He's still known for being one of the best at his positions. And I think that's a lot of what's going on with Houston. You don't, one, the defense is too predictable. They're doing the same stuff just about every down you're you're not doing anything to try and confuse the quarterback from what i can see you know you're not bringing blitz so something's got to change and maybe it's revis maybe um you know bob sutton will start to realize that maybe you're on the hot seat and you gotta try something new i don't know but i think that justin Houston needs help on that other side. And I think that between outside linebacker and corner, toss it up in the draft. I I don't know which one. I mean, I guess I would go corner first, but we desperately need a pass rusher on that other side. Uh, we do. I, I mean, I'd throw, I personally would throw a middle linebacker in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Hey, you know, let's keep Revis around for another year. We got a healthy Eric Berry. I would take that secondary <laughs> with Ron Parker back there. I'd take that secondary and let's let's shore up our linebackers. Um, Revis may buy us one year. I know I'm looking forward and not any research on what's going to happen after this or. or uh, I know Britt's not with us, so I'm going to take this opportunity to stay. 
losing Eric Berry was something that could happen to this team. Um, as a whole, Eric Berry is the most valuable player on the Chiefs, in my opinion. Uh, and so, Britt, uh, I'm going to test you, see if you are listening. <laughs> pay, pay Eric Berry whatever that man wants to be paid. And do it until he retires. Because he's... Every conversation that we've had on the defense has gone back to Eric Berry not being out there. If Eric Berry's out there, this opens this up. If Eric Berry's out there, this opens this up. If Eric Berry is out there, this quarterback and this running back isn't going to make that play. And this penalty is going to be called. And this wide receiver, there's no way he's going to be open right here. And, I mean, Eric Berry hurts. I think he hurts more than some people want to admit. Um, it definitely this year hurts more than uh, than than the year he went down with cancer, but uh, I would I would go linebackers. I'd shore up the outside linebacker, middle linebacker. Um, I'd love to see another young, good um, wide receiver on the team, but. Yeah, we've got to get we've got to, something's got to happen on that outside linebacker spot. Something's got to got to happen. Houston needs help, and if you don't have the talent, if you don't have the talent, then you have to you have to work the schemes. You have to scheme something to to make it happen. Send somebody, send Harrison Bucker through the line. Something <laughs> a body do something, and and you said it. We're not seeing anything. Nothing's been been done there has been zero adjustments on the defensive line or on the defense i mean except for personnel and that's i guess that's something but uh you're placing mitchell with gains and then you're replacing gains with mitchell i mean that's that's yeah, not I, that. I get it um yeah I, th- I think we touched a little bit about this on the friday episode last week um but when Eric Berry left when he was diagnosed, we had more safety depth. And we had more versatile safety depth. Guys that could play multiple different positions. We don't have that. We don't have that right now. And that's one of the big reasons that Eric Berry is being really costing us. And Eric Berry also improved a lot more last season. But, uh, you know, we also still had a really good DJ. You know, uh, we still had Tomba in Houston rushing the passer. So, overall, that that personnel group at that time was better than it is now. And I think that's a lot of the reason, you know, we can pick holes on why, or on stats on, uh, you know, that, it stayed the same or better without Barry back then. But look at the rest of the personnel around him. Look what's there because DJ is not playing up to par. We have nobody on the opposite side of Justin Houston. Cause I still believe even if Ford comes back, I'm not high on him, especially against the run. So just the personnel group in general, was better for that defense. Yeah. And 
Bob Sutton failing to adjust his scheme with players like Eric Berry out, it's really hurting this team. Very cautious. I'm very cautious in saying that one person is the reason why a team won a team sport, um, if that makes any sense. I made the comment in front of some people back, and and I, I made that Eric Berry comment about being the most valuable player. And I had some eyebrows, eyebrows raised, and, uh, and I looked at him, and I just kind of threw my hands up in the air, and I said, he – he single-handedly can win you a game on defense, not he did at with least one two play, last year, but with his total play. Now we brought that up a couple episodes ago, and Brent was like, "Yeah, but other than the Carolina game and the Atlanta game, what did he do?" And it, but that's two games. Those are two wins. Mm-hmm. Two wins on on your on the path to getting enough wins to get to the playoffs to to move on. Those are two, two belong to Eric Berry. Both of those if were Eric, away, too. Yeah. If Eric Berry was not playing at Atlanta, we would have got demolished. There would have been no no win. There wouldn't have even gotten close in that game. When he scored all the points, three, I think, <laughs> four, maybe, with the extra point. I mean, it it's... Uh, it hurts, and and I understand it's hard. And maybe that's not totally fair when you take the best player, and not just the best player on the Chiefs. I mean, one of the most important defensive players, maybe in the history of the NFL. By the time his his career is over, this guy changes things. Not only does he change the score, but he changes the momentum. He changes the attitude. He's he seems to be the driving force of that defense. Um, and, and we've got, we've got attitude on the defense and we've got, we've got, we've got some characters, but he's the guy. So you take him out of the equation. It hurts. Eric Berry makes Philip Gaines look better. Eric Berry makes Terrence Mitchell look better. He makes Justin Houston look better and aging Derek Johnson look better. And when you take him away, it kind of it kind of sheds that skin on some of these guys. And I think in the most part, it's probably a, a Eric Berry should be one of the top three reasons why the Chiefs won't win a Super Bowl this year. Man, Britt is going to roast you when he gets back. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. I I think that he he does. He makes this whole defense better. And whenever whenever I'm arguing with someone about Eric Berry and you know, ba- like the very select few of Brit's followers that think that Eric Berry is overrated, I ask them one thing. If we play New England in the playoffs, who's gonna be able to cover Gronk? If Gronk is healthy in the playoffs, we have nobody that can cover him at, at this moment. We've tried. 2015 playoffs, we tried. Couldn't do it. Barry shut him down week one. And 
I know that Barry was not good in coverage. You know, first couple seasons, he's gotten better. I think that him and Parker are pretty solid for, you know, safeties coming up and covering sometimes the number one receiver. You know, we, we saw Mike Evans go up against Ron Parker whenever Peters left the game last year. Yeah. That, you know, we, we I think fans just expect them to be Marcus Peters if they come down and cover. But, like I said, we, we don't have anyone that can play all the different positions. We don't have that guy to help in run support. We don't have that guy that can come down and cover, that can come down and blitz, and that can drop back. We also are missing the guy that every quarterback was worried about and had to had to find him and figure out what he was doing. We don't have that anymore. And I think that is the hugest part of what is going wrong with the defense is we don't have anything to confuse quarterbacks before the play. Yeah, I agree. So, I guess, do you think that, do you think Bob Sutton has a job at the end of this year? Um, <clears throat> maybe. I, um... All personal bias aside, and let me repeat that, all personal bias aside, I'd probably, probably. I think if if the Chiefs do not, especially if we get into the playoffs, which, I mean, we're going to be in the playoffs. It's just how far. If the defense doesn't play really well in the playoffs. I don't think that he will be here next year. I think that that will be the scapegoat and toss him out, bring someone new in. Um, but I do see some changes being made. Uh, I know, I know he's playing some of his corners way off just because they've been beat so bad so often. But at the same time, if if you're able to get those two middle linebackers down in the box, if you have Sorensen and Parker up high, which we've seen more of these last two games, there's no reason you can't play your corners on that right side at the line of scrimmage. Stack a safety over the top. Because every... Like, do you even remember the days when everyone would line up their top receiver on the right-hand side? Sure. (laughs) It's been a while. Yeah. (laughs) It is becoming a new thing to line up your guys on the left side. Because while there's a couple top corners that will travel, most of them stay on that left side. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Have you you wondered... I ha- I have so this is why I'm asking and I may be the only one and and I know this may not be exactly how it works 
But you ever wondered why they don't spy some of these guys with Peters? I don't know. <laughs> I mean... I mean, if I have Antonio Brown, I want my best corner on him. Wouldn't you? Yeah. I want my best corner on him. So why is my best corner on the opposite side of the field for 80% of the place? Um, I've, I haven't heard anybody address that so i've actually thought well maybe that's just you know an unwritten rule we just don't do that with marcus peters he just stays over there and you know if he happens to line up in front of peters and peters will will uh try to cover him why don't we spy why don't why why are we going to let antonio why are we going to let the number one on every team it doesn't matter if it's antonio brown or it doesn't matter, it should, or what Sterling Shepard or whoever. It doesn't matter, and he didn't even make the game yesterday, last week, and we still lost. Why are we? Why are we not moving Marcus Peters around? Can he only play corner on that side? Is it is it a Marcus Peters thing? Because if I'm getting beat, if I've got three corners that I keep putting in and out, and they're all getting beat over there. I'm going to make somebody else beat me other than that number one. I'm failing to understand why they don't stack the number one. Because Marcus Peters kind of shuts down that whole side. So why are, why are we not dropping a safety like Sorensen or Murray over the top of you know Antonio Brown, for example? Put the corner up on the line of scrimmage and stack him with a safety. Why? Why are we? Why are we not doing that more often? I get that they're spreading out, but you're telling me that we we you know every other team can shut down some of these top receivers, yet we can't. No, we can't even. We can't slow them down. <laughs> we can't not slow them year. down. No, I agree. Stack or spy? One of the two. Give me something. Some, yeah, something. Make, feed, feed me. You know, give me, give me something. And um, I mean, what? It, why not stack a safety? That, that's a, that's better. That's better than than me suggesting a spy. Uh, because our safeties, they're not. You know, they're not rushing the quarterback. <laughs> right. They're not. I, I mean, at least put them to use. I. We know Antonio Brown's going to beat us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so as a defense, we need to do something about about that. We need to try to work a scheme together, put a scheme together to try to slow him down. If that leaves Juju open, so be it. If that leaves Eli Rogers open, so be it. You know, force I, them to beat you with one of them. Yes, because I'd much rather them throw to that guy than Antonio Brown. And it instead we allow these number ones to destroy us. Man, it happened in the Oakland game. Amari Cooper, there were articles, I think, on NFL.com or ESPN.com, one of the two, talking about how, you know, what's wrong with Amari? You know, is is this the real Amari Cooper and blah, blah, blah. No, he hasn't played the Chiefs. Just give him a second. That was the week, I think, that they started playing Terrence Mitchell 10 yards off. Mm-hmm. And, well, Cooper, and Cooper had a you game also for the had, ages. what's that? 
Cooper had a game for the ages against him. Oh, yeah. I, I remember going back and watching that game in the All-22 film, and I was just blown away. Um, I think it was his second touchdown. It was a zone. And Mitchell got blamed for this by a majority of the fan base. But it was a zone defense. He was 10 yards off. Well, when Cooper went inward, it, Mitchell was supposed to pass it off to Murray. Murray failed to come down and pick him up. To make it even worse, which was already something like a 19-yard gain, he took a bad angle, ended up being a touchdown. It's it's stupid stuff like that. But most of the Houston game, or not Houston, but the uh, Oakland game, that's when I started seeing the 10 yards off from Mitchell as well. They also lined Cooper up over gains a ton. So, you know, it, it goes back to talking about Revis. Maybe that can be the big help. I Maybe think- that can be the the spark the defense needs. They need some attitude. Something has to change. And that's on both sides of the ball. I think that, you know, we, we talk about how the bend don't break. How we're bending and breaking now. And they're not... It, it's kind of like with Justin Houston. So there's no one on the other side. They're focusing on him. They're taking him out of the game. And the Chiefs aren't making them pay for it. They're not doing anything to stack up the other side, blitz on the other side. They're not doing anything to fix that problem. And it's the same thing over on the offensive side. Kareem Hunt, every team coming in, after, especially after those first five, are planning for Kareem Hunt. That's who they're playing against. Yep. They're saying, beat us deep. And the Chiefs are not... They're not they're not punishing them for playing the run. That is the biggest difference from you know what week five to now. Yep. They're not taking advantage of it. We're not seeing enough play action. Cause every time we go to hand off the ball to Cream Hunt, you can watch the safeties and the corners all bite. And come straight for Cream Hunt. Now, they're not completely stacking the box, but they are focused on that run. And we're not beating them deep. And that's the hugest problem. And I think that uh, it's only going to get worse. You know, I think that Alex Smith's play might get a little better. But as the, as the weeks go on, the weather gets worse. And as the weather gets worse... No matter who you are as a quarterback, you're gonna have less deep balls. Mm-hmm. So now you're gonna, you know, we, we all want to talk about the wind from last game, and I get that it was part of a factor. But you are an NFL quarterback. You should know what you can and cannot make. And we saw him throwing ten yards short, going with the wind. Yeah. I think he will get a little better, but when you mix in what we've seen the last couple of weeks and his anxiousness and nervousness, not not trusting his offensive line at all, and then factor in worse and worse weather. 
worst climate, it's going to get ugly. Right. Because you cannot rely on Kareem Hunt if you're not punishing him going deep when they focus on him. It's just like Justin Houston. Like I said, they are focusing everything on him. Because the both sides, they're not they're not making them pay for it. If if you compare if you compare the game of football to the game of chess, if I was to play you three times in a row and I made the same possible moves every time, every game. And I might have beaten you the first time. And I may have beaten you the second time. But if you're smart, the third time we play, you're going to know exactly what I'm doing. And you're going to beat me at the game of chess. Um, Unless it's it's Chiefs and Steelers. (laughs) Well, true. Hey, you know, it's... It's a chess match, and we're not – we keep moving the same pawn. And we – it's frustrating because if we're sitting here talking about this and we see it, and we actually – we do analyze these games, just like the coaching staff of the Chiefs do, they have to see that, okay, we are still running the same plays that we ran in week six. Nothing's – Nothing is changing. Kareem Hunt has the talent. He's going to break some eventually. That doesn't mean that the running game is working. If Kareem Hunt goes out and runs 14 times for 75 yards, but one of those runs was a 45-yard run, your running game is not working. It's just not. They're stopping you the majority of the time. Kareem Hunt is good enough to break that 19-yard run, that 15-yard run. Every game, if he gets the opportunities... But you can sit there and watch that game. Watch how they line up. I did it with my six-year-old son on Sunday. They're running right. Oh, it's very predictable. They're running left. I sounded like Tony Romo. Everybody says Tony Romo's this genius. Well, if he keeps covering the Chiefs, we're going to make him look really good. Because it's, it's obvious. They're running left. If I know they're running left... That defensive coordinator for whatever team the Chiefs are playing better know that they're running left too, or else I'm getting paid to not enough money. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're we're amateur writers and we know what's coming. Absolutely. It, it yeah. is it is very miserable to watch. And um I I think I think that, that you know the, I think the play calling is It is to an extent bad. It is very bad, actually. But I still hold Smith's play more accountable. Um, But yeah, I mean, you could tell that Kareem Hunt was frustrated against the Giants. You know, we we saw that overtime run that got called back because of uh, because LDT spun his guy around, which wouldn't have made a lick of difference. But that that run, I think, is for twelve yards. He broke like four or five tackles on that run. He looked sure. pissed. Oh yeah. And I do not understand. I get that Andy Reid likes to throw the ball. He's a throwing type of coach. 
But when your run game is doing well, and it was, even with all of the plays that were called back for Kareem Hunt because of something, you know, from the offensive line, Kareem Hunt still averaged over four yards per carry. Even West was just shy of four yards per carry. Your run game is working. You're not down by most of that game anything. Why are you not running the ball? That You have the top two rusher in the league, and you're deciding to throw the ball with a quarterback that is extremely struggling. More than double. I think it was actually two-thirds pass in a game that huge win problems and i get that you wanted to put up a bunch of numbers uh you know the giants pass defense was pretty garbage but it wasn't working and we didn't see anything change after the first half so you know it's like it's like we talked in the first episode kareem hunt is not getting the touches he deserves we, we saw it again against Dallas with only nine carries. Now he had 18 against uh, the Giants. But that's, what, one more? Well, I guess you had that one more drive in overtime. But the way we were playing, we should have been running the ball more. And I still fail to see why Akeem Hunt is not getting some carries. Uh, I can't. I can't follow you on the Akeem Hunt deal, um, but there's no reason why Kareem Hunt shouldn't have gotten 25 to 28 carries in that game. Uh, you know, there's there are people employed by the Chiefs that know, as it's happening, that Kareem Hunt is averaging enough yards to keep handing him the ball. <laughs> there's people getting paid to do to to know that. Um, Charkandrick West looks good, pretty good when when you give him the, you know, give him a chance. Um, I'm still in some of those situations would much rather see Kareem Hunt than Charkandrick West. If, uh, but uh, I, it's It's play calling. It's got to go. It all has to go back to, back to play calling. I mean, I, I think. Listen, if the running game gets going, the defense has to change. If Kareem Hunt is running all over you, your butt, you've got to change your defense. And if they change their defense, that opens it up for Alex Smith. I mean, this is a this is a vicious circle that we're seeing with the Kansas City Chiefs. It's so vicious that there isn't any of us, and I haven't heard anybody say, I've got the golden egg. This is why the Chiefs are struggling. This one reason right here. Eric Berry wasn't here during the five-game win streak. I mean, you know, three-quarters of a game, I guess, right? But he wasn't here. We were still winning. We still looked good. Now the defense still looked shabby, but the offense looked great. Um, Green Hunt was running all over the place, and if he happened to not get 100 yards rushing, he got 80 yards receiving. I mean, he he was making plays. He was getting the ball. You know, that 100 yards from scrimmage streak ended at eight games, I guess. Um, But he – it's – 
It's Andy's fault. It's Alex's fault. It's Kareem Hunt's fault. It's Bob Sutton's fault. It's Justin Houston's fault. It's Philip Gaines' fault. It's Philip Gaines' fault. It's Philip Gaines' fault. <laughs> I mean, this is it's a vicious circle, man. It's just a vicious circle. Like, well, why is Alex Smith struggling? It's because he's got he's got eleven defenders playing the ball, playing the pass. Why? Because you're not running the ball with one of the best running backs in the game this year. I mean, it it the defense changes. All right, they're not running the ball. They can't run in the run the ball run the ball. I it listen, man. I mean, it's you know you mentioned playoffs. There's a good chance two weeks from now we're not talking about playoffs anymore. And there's no reason for us to make to talk about the playoffs or to make the playoffs. We're not going to make the playoffs if we don't make changes. You think we're going to keep playing the way we are? Shoot, the Chargers will catch up to us. The Bills will beat us with the guy that they threw out there at quarterback last week. Why not? Who's to say he couldn't? The Giants just beat us. I mean, the Giants just beat us. It's yep, the team that just gave the 49ers their first win. Had given up 80-something points in two games. Yeah, the Chiefs could only score nine. Nine. And it, it it's really frustrating to watch Andy Reid go back to his 2016-2015 playbook when we've seen what works. We've got like four seasons showing Andy Reid that that stuff does not work. Now, if you want to play to not lose... Okay, sometimes it works, but then you have games like this one where it doesn't. And the fact that Andy Reid has gone back into his shell, Alex Smith has gone back into his shell, this team's not going anywhere like this. I don't see Andy Reid changing. I don't see Andy Reid all of a sudden getting back to the aggressiveness. Maybe come playoff time if we make it. I don't know. But another thing that really frustrates me is just like Alex Smith, Andy Reid thinks too much. You know, I think a lot of times whenever, you know, we're trying to run down the the play clock, Alex has too much time to think. And he, he messes himself up. Andy does the same thing. We we go back into that Giants game. You look at third and longs especially. Instead of getting the ball to guys like, I don't know, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, <laughs> Kareem Hunt, who are we giving the ball to? We are throwing the ball to Ross Travis, Demetrius Harris, who... Both have dropping issues. And you also have Demarcus Robinson who's been playing well. Yet he's not being factored in. I see all of these all these tweets about how you know it, it's one of those excuses. Well, Conley's not in the game and Wilson's not in the game and the offense has only been able to do this. I love Conley to death. I, I think he's a really good receiver. I think he's underused. Big time with Alex Smith, just for the type of receiver that he is. Um, and I think Wilson's done a lot better this year 
before the season, I wanted I didn't want didn't want him on the team. I would have taken Kemp over Wilson before the year started, but he's come a lot better. And but those two guys, especially Conley, who only got the ball four or five times a game, but he was that third down guy. But I fail to understand one why you're giving the ball on big key moments to guys like Ross Travis and Demetrius Harris. Why are we not using Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill to their skill sets? Quit quit throwing screen passes to Hill. Let him run some slants, some digs, some out routes, something different. Let him go down the field a little more. Open something up behind him. I don't care. Why are why are we not getting it to our playmakers? Why are we not using our now second receiver in Demarcus Robinson? A guy who, if you take away that P.I. call that could have been Smith's third interception, if you take that out of it, Robinson was targeted by both Kelsey and Smith the same amount of times. Crazy. That's your second receiver. And I have failed to understand why... Andy Reid refuses to use his second receiver. He's done it with Conley for years. And I get that Conley had a really rough first year. He came a long way last year. And from what we could tell this year, he had come a ways. Why do we why do we fail to utilize our top guys? Con- Conley seemed like a legit number two. Uh, at the start of the season, you know, he, he really did. It, it, he looked good over there. I was happy with Chris Conley being a number two. Um, <clears throat> you know, a third down and long play to Ross Travis is third and wrong. Mm-hmm. And 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 I wrote an article with the same title, Third and Wrong, for Casey Kingdom. There's a little self-plug. What? It is. It's overthinking. I, I mean, it seems like all the Chiefs brass is overthinking every to be decision. Too yeah, every decision they make. Oh, man, it's third and two inches. You know, well, this is easy. We'll just run it up the middle. Oh, but wait, they're going to wait. They're gonna, Don't you think they're going to think we're going to? Oh, yeah. Well, maybe we should do a double reverse past Alex Smith. And that's mm-hmm. what you and that and that's what you see. And it's, and it's not like they're they're second guessing themselves. This is a triple guess. This is a quadruple guess. You're like, oh man, you know. Well, this is simple. Why wouldn't we, um, you know, let's just run third in inches. Let's just give it to Alex Smith and let him, you know, let him ride Morse's butt for four inches, and we got a first down. Nope, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Instead, we're going to do a flea flicker to. Our, our left guard who is in uh, eligible, you know, it, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, these – I've come a long ways from the armchair quarterback I was five years ago. But, I mean, seriously, there, there's, there are multiple players open downfield that Alex Smith is missing. Um, there, he's, he's not looking. He's not checking down. Okay, he's – I've noticed this a bunch against the Giants. He's looking right at where he's looking directly at where he wants to throw the ball. It's not helping. Um, you know, 
Britt always mentions his happy feet. He does have happy feet. He's getting chased by ghosts out there. Um, I'm pretty sure in both the Dallas and Giants game, I'm pretty sure he farted and it scared him. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, there's yeah. nothing there. And you just see him panic. And whenever you know when he's panicking because he oh, runs yeah. into his own lineman. Oh, sure. He almost pulls a Sanchez butt fumble. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, and he second-guesses himself, too. Alex Smith is a good scrambler. He's a good run- runner. But he, he doesn't very – if he if he feels pressure and he takes off, he, he makes something happen. But we're not even seeing that now. He feels pressure. He doesn't just take off. He – he thinks he wants to go, and then he'll stop, and then he'll look around, spin around, fling his arms around everywhere, do a little, little tip-tap, and then he goes, and then, you know, by that time that he makes his decision, it's just way too late. It's simple. Man, I would love for Andy Reid to come out and be like, look, we're going to run these 20 plays. We haven't run them yet this year, and we're just going to keep doing it. This is simple. This is what we're going to do. Uh, anything. And that's a bad idea. It sounded bad coming out of my mouth, but something, I just want something different. What I expect with this Buffalo team is something different. Show me something different. I know we're going to see two or three gimmick plays. We see them all the time. (laughs) Two or three? (laughs) Well, last week, every gimmick play we we tried that has worked in in the past uh, ended up kicking our butts. You know, we tried that little little shovel pass to, to Kelsey. Well, you know, that ended up ricocheting off of him and, and getting intercepted. That didn't work. Then we decided to let Travis Kelsey throw the ball. Um, that's not going to work 90% of the time. Um, it It's – we're just too obvious. We're just too obvious. I – I'm almost certain somebody is sending the other team exactly what we're going to do. Oh, they don't have to. Because no, they don't. But it, but it's like they are. I mean, the Giants Now, the Giants? My goodness. I cannot get over the Giants made all of us look absolutely horrible. All of us look absolutely horrible. Because I was one of those guys. It was like this has got to be a blowout. This must be a blowout. No offense to the Giants. No offense, but this the Giants are who they are. The Giants are still the New York Giants. I don't care that they beat Kansas City. They're still that team. They're still that team. They don't even they don't have the personnel, let alone talent, coaching. They don't have the personnel. The Giants are are who they are. They're no better this week because they beat the Chiefs last week. They're the same dang team. But they knew exactly what we were going to do. It, they knew what we were going to do and when we were going to do it. So to wrap things up here really quick, what has to change to beat the Buffalo Bills? Which earlier this season... We, you know, we, we were thinking about this game like it was a blow-off game. We thought the Giants were going to be an extra bye week and the Bills were going to be an easy win. Now it's not looking that way. So both sides of the ball, really quick, 
what has to happen to come out of Arrowhead with a win? Mm. Man. Especially against a team that has given the Chiefs trouble mm. sure. over the last five years. Two weeks ago, I think we all agreed that the remaining schedule for the Chiefs, every one of those games, it was kind of like a trap game. Mm-hmm. Every single one. Um, I still feel the same way. Uh, I I don't. Uh, I don't know that I'd beat the Chiefs to beat the Bills. <laughs> Pick the Chiefs to beat the Bills. Uh, creativity in the run game by. Anything different in the run game than what we've seen in the last six weeks. Something different. Don't I don't want to be able to tell my wife or my six year old boy where we're running. I've never seen the playbook. I should not know what we were doing. If I know what, what the Chiefs are gonna do, the Chiefs are in trouble. Um offensively Kareem Hunt giving the ball. And I would like to see Kareem Hunt run the ball for the first 10 plays of the game. Um, get it out of Alex Smith's hand. Let Kareem Hunt try to develop something. Um, that could end up turning out okay, or that could end up turning out really well. I doubt he's going to turn the ball over. Um, I don't think you lose anything with that. Um, I'd like to see Kareem Hunt run for 28, 30 times against Buffalo and and hand him the ball, keep handing him the ball, and don't run T-right, T-left, T-middle every single time. That's got to stop. On the defensive, on the defensive side of the ball, um, just real quick, I want to see some blitzes. I want to see, see some people crashing through that line. Even if we don't get to Tyrod Taylor, if I can see that we have changed something, all I want, I'm going to be sitting in the comfort of my own home. All I want to see is change. Something's changed. It doesn't have to be personnel, but something's changed. Oh, wow, I'm not used to seeing this linebacker in this spot, or I'm not used to seeing this safety in this spot. Something. If you're going to play three three tight ends, which is what we've been doing a lot of, utilize that in the run game. Do something, something. Run behind them. Do something. Um, you know, we focus a lot about a lot on defense, and and quite honestly, they don't deserve it after their last their last game. They did pretty well, minus Philip Gaines. Our defense did all right. I will take 12 points. If I, if my defense allows 12 points every week, I'm a happy man. Yeah, I think offensively, I think that they have to be more aggressive. Alex Smith has got to get back to his pocket presence, being able to get outside of the pocket if he needs to while keeping his eyes downfield. Um, I think that the main thing, though, is on top of the run game, to do that, we need to utilize Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill the way they need to be utilized. Defensive side, I think, honestly, I think we're going to see a lot of containment. 
Um, I think we're going to see a lot of focusing on McCoy and a lot of Houston playing containment on Tyrod. Um, the bright side is Benjamin, probably their best receiver, is a big physical guy. That meets pretty much all of our top corners attributes. Peters, um, you know, I think it'll be good for Revis, not going up against a real speed guy the first game back. Uh, even if Mitchell was in there, that's the best tie for him. So I'm with you. I think there's going to be a lot of containment, but I would like to see some some new blitz packages we haven't seen. I had to get a name drop in there as well. Absolutely. <laughs> so, all right, well, that'll wrap up this episode for Friday, guys. Um, you know, hopefully we're coming back, uh, you know, to talk to you guys. Next episode will be probably next Tuesday. Hopefully we're talking about a blowout win for the Kansas City Chiefs. Not going to, you know, get my hopes up, but that's that's the hope. So, Real quick, what, um, score, what score you got for Sunday? I'm going to go... Let's do something kind of weird. 24-16 Chiefs. 24-16 Chiefs, huh? Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to be the bad guy. I say it's going to be... Thirty-one, fourteen, Buffalo. By the way, if you guys want to comment about that, at C Taylor nineteen eleven. <laughs> even Britt's got, even Britt, you know, it sent that text. He's got the Chiefs winning twenty-three seventeen. No, I think this is it. I, I I've been pretty positive today, um, on this episode, but I, I, I haven't seen anything to make me feel like the Chiefs are going to win this game. Um, if the Giants can beat us, the Bills sure can. Um, and I haven't seen haven't seen the Chiefs make any changes throughout the season. So it's going to get way worse before it gets way better, in my opinion. I hope I'm wrong, and I hope uh, everybody that attacks me on, on uh, social media is, uh, is right. And I'll take it because I'm I'm rooting for the Chiefs, but uh, I think we're I think we were still a week or two away from some better decisions being made for the Chiefs franchise. So, yeah, I'm taking the Buffalo Bills in this one. Well, I hope you're wrong, but once again, if you want to argue with him at C Taylor 1911, uh, you can find me at Stefan NFL. And then if you want to go find the Twitter page for this podcast, you can go to there at Blitz Package KC, and you will also find both of those articles that Chris just mentioned earlier in the podcast that he wrote the last couple days over on that Twitter account. So hit the subscribe button. Make sure you're ready. We'll be talking here for you guys Tuesday, and hopefully it's about a win. Absolutely. I hope so. I hope I'm wrong. Happy Thanksgiving, world. Yep, happy Thanksgiving, guys, and we'll talk to you next week.